welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Life Coach and Certified Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 55, Why I Do What I Do and Why You Don't Have To. I know that's a strange title. I'm always super excited to be here with you, and I'm excited to share some special thoughts with you today, especially as I reminisce on one year of this podcast. Next month, we'll be celebrating one year of Build a Life After Loss. One year of being here every Wednesday to support you in whatever grieving, heavy situation you find yourself in. In today's podcast, I wanted to share my thoughts about why I do what I do. And I'll tell you the story of what led to the founding of Build a Life After Loss, which is a business that supports people who are grieving and want to rebuild their life. It's not just a podcast, it's a movement. There's a serious lack of hope in the world that we can, lack of hope that that it's possible to heal and rebuild. And it's one of the things that I'm passionate about getting a message of hope into the world. And I'd love your help in getting hope into the world. As I've been doing this work, you know, I think I recognized that there were a lot of messages of hopelessness, but I didn't realize how pervasive it was until I started doing this and started seeing more and more and more. And I really realized how, how, inundated we are with hopeless messages. So there's a lot of good in the world too. Don't get me wrong. There's a ton of good, but I wanted to, this, this title will make more sense as we go along. And I, I certainly hope you don't get the wrong idea from the title. So please stay with me as I explain what it all means, but I will give you a hint from the very top from right now that the, why you don't have to that part of the title, why I do what I do and why you don't have to has to do with not feeling like because you've experienced a loss that you have to start a charity or a nonprofit or a business or any type of organization uh, of cause because of it. That's, that's the big hint. I want you to know that piece. So we'll talk a little more about that at the end, but I, I wanted to share with you. It's been a long time since I asked you all to share this with your friends or leave a review. And so for the upcoming anniversary, which is 52 weeks of podcasts, we're actually on week episode 55 because I started with five episodes before I launched. But for the upcoming anniversary, I would love to have you all share this with your friends and family. Think about who you know that could benefit from a message of hope. Will you text them about the podcast right now and encourage them to listen in? pause the podcast and text a friend and say, Hey, have you heard of this podcast? And I think it would really benefit you and maybe share the episode that you particularly liked and, and share it on Facebook and Instagram. I would be so grateful if you would help me get the word out. There's a ton, like I said, a ton, ton, ton of unhopeful messages out there. And I would love it if you would help me share the hope. What a tremendous force for good we could be. Right now we're at 7,000 downloads total. And wouldn't it be cool if you shared it with your friends and family and we got to 10,000 downloads during our anniversary month? 
that would be fantastic. And that's a lot of people that we're touching with hope for a better tomorrow. And then wouldn't it be fun also to add 52 more up reviews to the Apple podcast, which is 52 for 52 weeks. If you haven't already, would you go into Apple podcast, pause the episode right now and go into Apple podcast and hit the write a review button that you'll find below the reviews and just add a couple of brief comments to help others find it. That would be fabulous. Those are my dreams for this movement that we can reach more people with a message of hope. But today I wanted to share with you why I do what I do. Many of you have already heard my story of loss. Maybe you've You've heard episodes where I've talked about losing my brother to suicide, or you've talked about the divorce that I went through many years ago. I've since remarried and have been married for, gosh, going on, what is this, 26 years? (laughs) I guess I should remember that, right? But the loss that I talk about most often is the car accident that claimed the life of my daughter, Carrie, who was 10 years old and my son, David, who was eight years old. And if you haven't heard that, my story, if you haven't heard my experience with that, episode one, I tell the story in in much more detail than probably anywhere else. It's also briefly told on the website, but episode one is really the place where the story is told in more detail. But before the accident, I was homeschooling my kids and Carrie and David were my youngest two children. And I, they were, I was homeschooling them and their older brothers at the time, their older sisters were, their oldest sister was in college, Stephanie, and my daughter, Kristen was just finishing high school. And so she was in high school. And then, so it was the four kids at home homeschooling and, and me. <laughs> Before the accident, I was super involved in the homeschool community. I was the leader of our homeschool group, and I was just super involved with the homeschool community. I spoke at conferences about, you know, ideas for improving our homeschools and improving the education of our children and so forth. So I was really heavily involved in the homeschool community. I loved it. I really enjoyed that work. And my always my thought was, you know, when my kids grew up and moved out of the house that I would still be involved in homeschooling because I knew other grandmas that were still supporting the homeschool community. And so that was my thought that that's what I would do. But after the accident, I totally lost any desire to do that. I continued to homeschool my boys for a few years. My son who was 15 at the time of the accident actually graduated from homeschool and then went on from college to college from there. My son who was 12 and in the accident, he stayed home. He continued to homeschool until his brother went off to college and then he went back to school in 10th grade. So that was kind of our homeschool experience. But during the loss, like after my kids died, I was really pretty quiet about my thoughts and feelings during that time. I didn't do a lot of talking to people about my experience. In some of that time, it was maybe pretty obvious what my experience was because it was, it was, you know, I wore it on my sleeve. 
but I didn't do a lot of talking about it. I really didn't. I had some close friends that knew kind of what my experience was and what I was going through. But for the most part, I just really didn't do that. And there were times when I had friends who had devastating losses and our mutual friends would reach out and ask how to help their friend or how to help their family member. Or if I could call someone and offer some hope and some thoughts. And that was kind of my experience. I I was doing a little bit of that, like at a grassroots level. And I actually, one of the things that happened, and, and this was, I think it's episode two and three on the podcast, I share some thoughts that I had that I had shared in a letter with a handful of people. It was a letter that I wrote initially to a woman that I followed online. I was really involved in crafting and I was following some other crafters. And one of the ladies that I followed online, her husband became very, very ill and passed away. When her husband died, I never do this, but for whatever reason, I felt like I should write a letter to her. And I wrote this letter and I just outlined some things that were helpful to me in my grieving process. And I share those things on episodes two and three of this podcast. But that letter became kind of a template that I would share with other people when people would reach out and say, you know, what do I say to my friend? Is there anything that you can send them or say? And in those early days, there's just not a whole lot we can say and do that are going to be tremendously helpful to our friends and family other than just really being there and supporting them in their grief. There's, um, it's, it, it's hard to share specific messages with people when they're super, super early in their grief in that first week, the first two weeks, the first month, depending on the loss, it could be several weeks before we feel like you know, it's time to share some ideas with them because it's just so painful. It's hard to even focus or concentrate. And when ideas come to us, they just kind of bounce off. But I, I had had that experience of reaching out to, to that one lady online. And then I used that information going forward because I remember, I do remember early, early, you know, that first week after the accident, that there were a couple of friends who had had experiences with losing close family members who shared some thoughts and ideas. And even one friend who came to me and said, these are the things, because she had lost two children at different times, two babies, and she shared with me some of of the things that she was happy that she did for the funeral and for the burial and so forth. And so she shared those thoughts with me and I thought that was really, really kind of her and helpful. So that was kind of my experience those first few years. And I, I really started about three years. I, I had a, a kind of a major shift at the three year mark where I really regained so much hope in my future and, and regained some of the happiness that I had felt before. And, and I, I feel like it was like at that five or six year mark when the lights really, really came on. But that three year mark was a significant shift for me because I was in a pretty dark place before that. 
About five years after the accident, my mother had moved from Nashville to California. And she was out there for a couple of years serving a, uh, she was serving in a mission that was helping people find jobs in this area of, of um, Sacramento that there was some need. So she was out there serving the, the people in California and she'd been out there for about a year. And I went out there to help her drive her car back to Nashville. And when I got out there, she was excited to show me where she'd been living and introduce her and introduce me to some of her friends. And so she introduced me to this woman that she'd been working with at the, the center that she worked at and her, this woman's husband. And I remember that his name was Ron because my husband's name is Ron. So I do remember that part. So we went to lunch with this couple. Like I said, my mom was anxious for me to get to know them because she had really enjoyed, especially the wife's company during the time that she was in California. So we go to lunch and this man shared his experience with bipolar depression that had gone undiagnosed for many, many years. And he had gone through a lot of trials because of the undiagnosed uh, depression, and it also had affected his family greatly. And somehow or other, they were able to hold their marriage together. And eventually, after many years, he was diagnosed as bipolar, which answered a lot of questions for them and allowed him to receive the treatment he needed in order to live a more stable life. And that's exactly what he had been doing for I think at that point, it had been about a year and a half since his diagnosis and his whole life had turned around and had changed. And he was, he was actually in a position where he was supporting other men who were experiencing bipolar disorder. So he, he was very much in a supporting role in California during lunch. Some of my story came out. We were discussing it and you know, how this accident had happened and our kids had died and it had been about five years at that point. It had been a little over five years at that point. And as we were discussing it, he just became really enthralled in what had happened and my experience with healing. And as we left the table and as we were getting ready to leave the restaurant, he stopped me and he looked me directly in the eyes and he said, you're supposed to do something with this. And I will never, ever, ever forget that experience because it went straight to my soul and I knew, I knew that he was right. And so from that moment on, I kept my eyes open and my heart open for what that might be, what it was, how it was that I was supposed to support others with my story. And about five Oh, let's see. I think it was five years ago. So we're in 2019. So about 2014. So a couple of years later, a couple of years later, I was going to a massage therapist in Texas where I lived who was very intuitive and she had lost an adult son many years before. And at the time I was preparing to move from Texas to Utah to open a franchise business we became good friends and we talked a lot when I would go for massage therapy. She would talk to me and 
I would share my experience and she would share her experience. And in this process, she basically gave me the exact same net message that that man had given me that had really struck me to the core. And she said, you're supposed to do something with this. She says, I don't know what it is, but you're supposed to do something with this. And I thought, I feel the same way at that point, like early on those first five years, I just really, I I didn't really have a thought like that. But then once I had those experiences, I felt convicted that that was, that it was true, that it was something that I was meant to do was to help others on their journey. And so she was, she was sharing her thoughts with me about this. I was telling her about this move and how I was getting ready to move to Utah and we were opening this franchise business. And she says, Oh, awesome. You'll be able to help people through that business because we opened a chiropractic clinic. So she thought, well, there was some synergy in this grief message and, you know, that holistic healing piece of chiropractic. And then I explained to her that, you know, it's a franchise. And so actually we, because it's a franchise, there are certain, certain restrictions on what we can do with our business because we are, we are to adhere to the, to the franchise agreement. And she was disappointed. She says, well, then this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be running this franchise business. There's something else you're supposed to be doing. And she was just so, so convinced of it. And honestly, it wasn't just her that was convinced of it. I knew in my heart that there was something there that, this, it was true that there was something that I had to contribute or that I could contribute to the, this world of hurt and pain that we, that everybody experiences. And I had at about the same time, I had started doing some mixed media painting. And so I was doing painting and I had always, like I said, been involved in crafting and enjoying that. And so I really got into art and I was really enjoying it. I really thought, cause I was watching other artists and the way that they were sharing their art, but also their stories on Instagram. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to share my art. And, and I don't know if you've seen my art, but I have like little messages of hope in my art. Like it'll say, believe or dream out loud, or, you know, I have angel paintings. I have a lot of angel paintings that I do. And so I thought that that was it, that I was going to share my art. And in the process, I was going to share my story and hope that it would be uplifting to others. So I moved to Utah and built the franchise business here. And I, after about two years, I was just really had gotten to this place where I was dissatisfied with the balance in my life and what I was doing and how much time I was spending in the business and how much time I was spending else, spending elsewhere. And this idea came to me to hire a coach or a mentor. So I started interviewing business and life coaches. And I interviewed, I'm trying to remember, I think it was four different people or organizations that offered that kind of thing. So I interviewed these coaches and eventually I found this law of attraction coach. If you've heard of the movie, The Secret, that kind of gives you uh, just a little taste of law of attraction. But, and I did a whole episode on law of attraction, but after about, I was, I had purchased a 10 week package with them. And about eight weeks in, I realized that this is what I wanted to do. And that this was actually the calling that I felt called to that I wanted to help people rebuild their life after loss, because 
That's what I had needed. After the accident, I'd had PTSD and I went to a therapist for many, like three years. Well, I guess it was probably about two and a half years because I think I started going to the therapist at about six months and about two and a half years. I, I went to the therapist pretty regularly working on my PTSD and some other issues. And at the, at the three year mark, it had been three years since the accident. She said, you're done. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I do not feel done because I don't know what to do next. I realized when I worked with this coach that that was exactly what I needed. I needed someone who was going to help me to rebuild my life, to help me think through what it was I wanted to do next. And so that became my, that became my, my dream was to offer to people to, to get the training and to, to be that coach that could help people rebuild. And as I, I, I started down that path immediately, like immediately I got online, I found a, a coaching school. I went to the coaching school for six months. I got certified. And in that process, I kept thinking, you know, if somebody is rebuilding their life after loss, they're probably still needing help with grief. And I had a desire to get trained and to get some understanding about, like, I knew my grief, I knew my experience, but I wanted to get some training so that I wasn't just coming from my experience, but I was coming from some knowledge of grief and some information and, and be able to provide some tools for people so that they could truly look at their grief and complete some of those things that are incomplete in grief. So we can say goodbye to the pain of grief. We don't say goodbye to the person. The loss is still part of our life experience, but we can say goodbye to the pain. And it is a process and it's a healing process. Anyway, so I had this desire to have, get this education, to get this understanding of grief. And so I started to pursue grief coaching certificates. And I actually went to one school and I went through their program and I came back on the other end and I thought, I didn't really get anything from that. I really felt like I was unprepared to, to coach grievers because I just felt like it was the same thing week after week, you know, listen, listen to the griever. And I'm like, I understand that piece, but what can I offer? I wanted to offer something. I didn't want to just be another person that was listening, which is huge. You know, don't get me wrong. Like that is huge because we often do not have enough people that will listen to us. So it's a big, big piece, but I just felt a need to find tools. And then I, so that's why I pursued the um, certification as a grief recovery specialist, because I had found the grief recovery handbook about five years after the accident. And at that point I was doing, doing really well. But as I read through that, I'm like, this is the missing piece. And so I went and got certified as a grief recovery specialist. And that was exactly, exactly what I wanted. I wanted a program. I wanted some, some really good information and I wanted a, I wanted tools that I could offer my clients. So that was my kind of my last step as I prepared to launch Build a Life After Loss. That's exactly what I felt like I needed in order to be 
to be the coach, to be the mentor, to be the grief specialist that I really wanted to be. I wanted to be someone that's not just, not just listening, but offering some tools and some information that super, super helpful. And that's been my journey. You know, that was my journey going, going through this horrific experience of losing my kids, slowly rebuilding my own life to a point where I felt prepared and I had a huge desire to offer hope in the world. And as I said at the, at the top of the show, you know, as I've gotten into this further month after month after month, and I've worked with more and more people and I've seen more and more of what's available out there. We have a lot of work to do to get hope out in the world. There is unfortunately a lot of messages, especially on Facebook. So many people are going to Facebook for support and there's so many unhopeful messages. And because they're unhopeful, they're also unhelpful. So that's, that's why I do what I do. And I just wanted to share that with you. I wanted to share that journey. And, and one of the things that I learned along that journey was it takes action to find the next step. You know, when I heard that message in 2012, I didn't know what it looked like, but it just kept my ears and my heart open to watch and to listen and to, to hear the things that would help me in this journey to find out what my path was. And then I set some goals and I, and I started working towards some things and then I'd shift and shift and shift. And then I find myself in this exact spot on this exact day doing exactly what it was that I felt called to do. And it took taking action and just moving along step by step by step. And that's something that we can all do. Now, why did I put in the title, you know, why I do what I do and why you don't have to? The reason I put that in the title is because I think when we go through super hard things, sometimes there's this expectation because we see other people maybe doing it. I saw other friends organizing tournaments and organizing runs and, and organizing opportunities for parents to go on vacation with their, with their family after a loss. Like I saw all these different things happening with my friends who had experienced similar losses. And I had this kind of sense in the background that, Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I have to do something or maybe, and it just, it just didn't feel right until later on. And so the reason I say that is we are not obligated as a griever. If you've gone through something hard and you found yourself kind of on the other side of it where you're doing better and you're feeling better and you might be, you, you might be like I was, you might be, you might have friends calling you and saying, what do I do? You know, my friend just had this horrible thing happen. What do I do? And, and you might want to support them on that level and maybe you don't and that's okay too. So just recognize that Just because there's a handful of people out there in the world that are creating nonprofit organizations or are creating charities or a business or any type of organization that supports others in a similar cause as what you've experienced does not mean that you have to. And I just wanted to put that out there. I saw something around this recently 
another person who has a podcast that talks about grief and, and she had put this message out on Facebook and I thought, boy, that's important for us to remember. That's important for us to remember that we're not obligated to save the world because we've had a bad experience. So I never ever want to give that impression that because I'm doing this work, that that means that everybody that's had a a bad experience or a major loss is, is responsible for doing this. I just don't think that's the case at all. If you want to, you totally can, but just understand that there's should feel no pressure to do anything that you don't feel ready for, or you don't have a desire to do. I'm as surprised as anybody to find myself in this position, but I love what I do. And I'm really, really grateful. I'm really grateful for this path that has taken me to this place. And I'm grateful to be in this place. But at the same time, again, there's no obligation to do that. I also want to remind you that there are links in the show notes. There are links in the show notes that have their links to our Facebook group. If you want to join us there or to our Instagram, an easy way for you to share, share the podcast is to get on our Facebook page and to share some of our links there and, and our, especially our episode links and talk about what you've liked about it. There's also a link to schedule a time for us to talk. And this is totally free to you. And you'll be talking to me, not an assistant or another coach. This is a call for me and you, and I'll take really good care of you. And this is all about like, you know, we'll talk about what's working in your life and where your pain points are. And we'll explore what you want your life to look like and what can be done to get you there. It's an easy, relaxed conversation with me. And I'm someone who totally gets lost in grief, not only from my own personal experiences, but from my training and from the things that I have learned in my training. No judgment, no no expectations. Let's just get on the call and talk and see if the programs that I offer are a good fit for you or not. They may not be. So let's have that conversation. The link is in the show notes. Remember, I believe in you. I love you. Bye.